0: Welcome to The Tim Fowler Show, where production is paramount and we discuss the tools, time, and people associated with getting jobs done and making a profit. On today's episode of The Tim Fowler Show, we will be talking about becoming a team, not a family with the help of special guest Jeff Forward of Forward Design Build Remodel in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Alongside Tim Fowler, I'm your co-host, Steve Wheeler. Here is the Tim Fowler Show.
1: Hey everyone, Tim Fowler here and welcome to the Tim Fowler Show. As we always do, just encourage you to send in ideas, thoughts, guests, whatever you can give me to help make this an exciting and enjoyable show for you. Uh, I seem to have a good time no matter what happens, but I sure do want to make it effective for you. So send me ideas, Tim at remodelersadvantage.com. Company culture. So this is a hot topic in our industry, but it's also one of the hardest ideas, I guess, to define within a business, especially for those of us who are sticks and bricks Guys and gals that just love building things, you know, those I, that idea of a non tangible concept is kind of hard for many of us. And so, for many people that have a great culture in a company, it's kind of by accident, you know, it's just the extension of their personality. And it just they're just good people to work for. My favorite example of this is a, a fellow that's been a guest on the show a while back, John Sylvester in Minneapolis. Um, he's has employees that have been with him for over 30 years. And I was teasing them in a, in a visit one time, not too long ago, I said, are you guys all gonna retire together? Is this <laughs> like the, the company's gonna shut down? But they just love working for him. And I think it's just because he's just a great guy to work for. Then there's others that kind of look at you sideways and go, what? Company culture? I don't have time for that. I have to make a living. And not only that, I have to get work for these employees of mine. So I don't have an example of that for you, but those of you who are out there, you know who you are, okay? And then most of us, I think, are right in the middle somewhere where we're saying, I'm trying, but it's as hard to put this into practice as it is to define. So it does help to pick a model and apply the principles of that model, something tangible so people can understand what actions and thought patterns you want within the company. I hear people say things like this, we're like a family here. Now, immediately that conjures up some good thoughts. And then I step back in my sort of cynical way and I go, what's the dysfunction, right? The dysfunctional family, right? And then others say, we're a well-oiled machine. Still others say, we're humming along like a sewing machine. And of course, they have to be a little bit older because they actually know what a sewing machine is. But in those examples, I have to ask this question. How do I get better in a well-oiled machine. What do I do, just get out some more oil and pump it on me somewhere? You know, it's, it's crazy. It's not defined enough for me as an employee to know what I'm trying to do. So I think there's a better pattern. Obviously our guest thinks so as well. And so we're excited to have him on to share some of his thoughts about that. Steve, let's get started.
0: All right. So Jeff and Monica Forward run Forward Design, Build, Remodel in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Over 23 years, the company has grown from one person doing everything to a team of 30 plus engaged, positive, and supportive people. A recent accomplishment was a thriving and stronger team after Monica's cancer battle. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
2: Thank you very much. Excited to be here. So this is great. So Uh, Tell us a little
1: bit more about uh, Forward Design Build. What do do you guys do? You know, how much volume? We already know there's quite a few people on your staff, but give us just a little more
2: so we know uh, who we're talking to. Um, So we focus on design build projects uh, from master bathroom suites to custom homes, but the bulk of our business is uh, remodeling. And we're a stage four company uh, as defined by Judith Miller. And um, we operate a, we're transitioning right now from a two-step sales process to a three-step sales process. But we've got a combination of in-house designers, project managers, carpenters, and trade partners. And our overall goal this year is producing about um, 30 projects. And we're in the neighborhood of nine to 10 million this year. Wow. So give us just a little bit more. A lot of our
1: listeners may not know the stage four model that you talked about. What What is that? Is that like the business owner is stepping out of every day, but still sort of the CEO? Is that where that is?
2: Uh, yes. She describes it within five stages. Um, stage one, the owner does it all. Stage two, the owner delegates. Stage three is that sweet spot. Uh, stage four is, she calls it, appropriately, complexity grows. And that's where the <laughs> The owner is uh, basically working on the business full time and involved in sales less than 20%. Um, and okay. then stage, stage five is the end game, uh, working towards uh, either selling the business or uh, retire- retirement.
1: Fantastic. So we already got more than we expected today with that little illustration of one through five. So that's fantastic. So... We we have you on the show because you sent me a video. And before we get into the content of that video, I was intrigued by it. And I just wanted to know is tell us a little bit about it. And is that a way that you use to communicate to your team? Is that kind of like the uh, like a company meeting or or something like that? But you use a video to make that happen?
2: Uh. We we still do all of our company meetings um, okay. on a regular basis and they're virtual. Um, but whenever I want to get out some sort of message or some sort of um, some type of information, whether it's an SOP, whether it's a uh, a conceptual training piece, we have gone to video. And so uh, I do that, uh, those type of announcements quite often. In this case, this was a, a video that was a part of our onboarding system. And, but it was, so it was a teaching video that also we we shared with the team as soon as we we came up with it.
1: Okay, so again, looking at it a little bit cynically here, do you actually track open rates as well? Yes. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> because I, cause I can hear a lot of business owners out there going like, my people will never listen to you. <laughs> yeah,
2: no, so, I, I see who listens and who doesn't listen. And I'm happy to report everyone's listening. So yeah,
1: I, I would assume they are. So what was the content of this video that you sent that got me interested in having you on the show?
2: Uh, it was the difference between a, a family culture and a, a team culture. And, you know, over the last I would say six or seven years. We've been really focused on culture, and we've used that term family culture. Right. And uh, a couple of years ago, some some things happened, especially well, regarding my wife's uh, cancer battle and how our team uh, rallied and uh, resolved around that. Um, and it just made things a little clearer for me. And uh, we started to make some changes, and then. I saw a video by Darren Hardy, one of his Darren Dailies, and it just like the light bulb just totally clicked. I'm like, that's what we're doing. And for me, it it was a validation that, yeah, we are going in the right direction here. Um, But I also realized that I needed to put it into my voice uh, to send out to the team. So what was it, anything particular that you can put your fingers on that
1: said, Uh, we don't want to be family. We want to be team. Is there anything that like one or two points that you said family was this way, but
2: team is this way? Uh, Yes. The the main point was um, tolerance. Um, So, you know, and you mentioned it earlier, um, all function, all families have a level of dysfunction. Right. And so that's, that's tolerated. We all have a, a cousin or an uncle that uh, we don't necessarily agree with, and they can be obnoxious and, you know, passive aggressive, and all of those things that you see inside of a family, but yet they're still always invited to the, you know, to holiday dinners and uh, events. And, and we do generally care about them and, and, you know, want to see them do well. But if we had a choice to work with them, we probably wouldn't. Right. So, and that's uh, having gone through that, what I call a, a brilliant jerk, having some folks on our team that were really, really um, talented in certain areas, but they just could not get around themselves in terms of treating people in a way that was supportive and positive and affirming and really helping build a team uh, chemistry. They were, they were busy tearing it down and whether they, they actively knew it or not, that's a whole different topic, but all I can speak to is the results that we were seeing and communication that I was receiving from other teammates and I eventually started listening to. So the difference
1: between the family model of tolerance and the team model, I, I don't want to say it, but it's, it's not intolerance, is it? No, it's
2: not. What's the so- difference? Well, the the difference is is that there's a support structure, there's a ladder structure for change, um, and you know, I don't want to sound crass in this, but um, because I practice this model for a long time, and I hear a lot of people talk about it, and having a family culture is is a well intended premise, but right, um, I bet a lot of people who have that have that one person or or maybe a couple people on their team who, who have that voice of dissent that is consistent, and that is something that uh, I think can cause more damage over time, versus causing more, um, uh, ca- causing more growth uh, within the organization. So. And okay. I'm- so,
1: so would you define the difference then as it's not intolerance, but it's more. Like everybody has to change to support
2: the goal of the team. Is that kind of the idea? Everyone has to be on board with it. So the, the first okay. thing is is making sure you got everyone on your team is in the right kind of quadrant of attitude. So um, so a big impact of this starting from two years ago is is we've adapted. Um, our hiring process to really make sure we've got people in the white, right uh, quadrant. And when I say uh, quadrant, um, if you can think of a three-by-three a three square with um, uh, up the left-hand side, you've got, um, uh, I'm sorry, details or their, their skill level. Right. So on the left-hand side is skill level, on the bottom is attitude. And ideally, we want everyone in that third column. But they could be in the lowest on the third column, but if they're not in that third column, I'm not interested in, in talking with them. And so when we have somebody on the team, we know that people can slide back and forth a little bit. And we get somebody in the middle column, we're working hard to get them over to that, to that uh, far right column. If they're in the left-hand column, th- then uh, it becomes a much more direct conversation and uh, parting of ways if they're not willing to, to work on their attitude and um, their support and positivity. So. so basically what you're saying is that
1: anybody that has a good attitude defined for your company has yes. a pla- could have a place there. It isn't necessarily a skills-driven uh, process.
2: Correct. Yes.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's really cool. I, I, I knew exactly what you were saying when you said the quadrants, cause I've seen that I've used it in some of my teaching and everything, but I appreciate you're getting into it because that is a huge, huge thing for companies to think about is do we hire for attitude or do we hire for skill? Now, obviously if we can get skill and attitude you know, together that's better. Right. But invariably, like you said, we've all experienced that amazing skill, nasty attitude. And like you said, the family idea kind of puts up with it. And I, I really think that's a key, a key factor.
2: And I always thought that I could work on somebody's attitude and uh, you can't. So I can work and we can work on developing someone's skills but uh, to really develop an attitude, that's got to come with, from within.
1: Yeah. And, and the, the, the amazing thing about it is that everybody on the, and I'm going to use the word air quotes, team, is waiting for the boss to do something about that person's attitude. Right. <laughs> you know? Yes. And, and so you're in this lose-lose situation because this person's not going to change, but your team isn't functioning well because of that person's attitude, not, right. not because they're bad people, because they're waiting for somebody to do something about it.
2: Right. And when your team comes to you, when certain members of your team come to you and they're, they're bringing situations and how do I handle this? And um, they're asking for your advice and guidance, but they're also expecting me to act on it in certain ways. And my non-action uh, spoke volumes to them right. and, and so I started to see the negative effect of that. And that was, that helped me really turn my mind around the corner that I needed to act. And it didn't matter again how talented somebody was, it was, uh, they're tearing at the fabric of our culture. So this is kind of out of the blue, Jeff, but uh, I've been doing a lot of study into
1: personalities and the disc. Do you mind sharing what your disc uh,
2: profile, D I S C, is? Sure. Um, so can I start from the very, very beginning? Uh, Absolutely. the first time I took that test was way back in 2002, you know, joining yeah. the RA organization and I was a D everything else was below the line. I was just, okay. cause I was doing everything. And over time that's evolved. And now I am an ID. Um, and then my C is, um, below the line. And my S is a little bit below that, but those two are much closer to the line than they used to be. So you've learned how
1: to influence people. Uh, That's what the I stand for. More of an influencer than a dominance character that just tells people what to do. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right, cool. All right. Just kind of thought about that as we were, as we were chatting there. So now I know everybody knows we communicate a little bit before we do these shows. And so I basically asked you uh, for this idea of team and maybe we could, and, and I'm looking for five or six, four or five, whatever number we have of things that resonate with you about team that we can get our hands on. I said in the introduction that that well-oiled machine, I have trouble with that because I don't know what my part is in that. I don't know what I can do in a well-oiled machine. A team to me draws a lot more solidity to what the way it functions. So I'm just kind of interested in if if you've got uh, a few of those things that we can put our hands on in a little more tangible fashion that resonate in terms of team?
2: Well, uh, yes. So the first thing is, you know, working towards a common goal. Um, obviously, uh, we're trying to get a project done, but we're trying to get it done on time on budget and, and really walk away with a very happy and satisfied client, uh, who's willing to refer us to their friends and family. Um, and a part of a team doing that number one is that we uh, we all know the roles we're playing and that we're supporting each other in it. And um, I just want to mention Bill Belichick and whether you love him or hate him. Um, oh, he's
1: right in my neck of the woods. So he tends to be my example, too. So go right
2: ahead. No he comment. Has, he has a lot of quotes about coaching. But um, my favorite of his is every day the team is counting on every position which means basically everyone has an impact in the win. So let me just, let me ask you this really quickly. How do you get 30 people
1: thinking about obtaining, attaining the same goals or the same
2: goal? uh, We talk about it every two weeks at our company meeting. Okay. And one of the, the vehicles or one of the tools that we use is a internal survey Um, We we have an internal survey for our clients, but this is of our teammates um, and their impression based on their interaction with the client in terms of where they are, are they, you know, it's a one to 10 rating and um, which is based on the, um, uh, that net promoter score approach. And so we get to talk about it and we see if a low score comes in, we can, can jump on it and address it with them. Very good.
1: All right. Another one, another, another part of the team that, that resonates with you. Uh,
2: so zero conflict um, within the team in that um, there's healthy interaction that serves the mission. So um, there's by having everyone in that right uh, column, we have zero kind of um, that, the bickering that can happen between a detail or how something was developed. And we promote that healthy conversation or healthy confrontation, which is from the, that concept from five dysfunctions of a team. Right. And, uh, so that, that's whenever there's an issue, it gets resolved quickly and it gets uh, resolved appropriately. And with that idea that it serves the mission.
1: Okay, so I just have to ask again, kind of looking at this from a lot of field people, if you go back to DISC and so forth like that, we're conflict avoiders and we would rather, you know, not bring it up and just gripe about it on our own head. How do you get 30 people to honestly interact in a way where it's healthy like this? I'm 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 impressed.
2: Well. So I, I just want to say also, so there's like culture, there's good and bad culture. Um, and with cholesterol, there's good and bad cholesterol. You, you, we still have some, some bad cholesterol, right. so to speak, it's just natural. So yep. it's going to happen, but we focus on turning it quickly into what's the positive um, out of this income. So my role as a leader is not to pick a side but is to help the two parties involved find a resolution and what's the best way to move forward. Fantastic. So it's, it's letting people, making sure people have um, a avenue to speak and and to be heard. That's a, a very important thing. And then um, allow the ability and show the, the consequence of that or the, the result of that. Okay. So, we we want to hear when something's not working right, and right. they hopefully know that that um, that they eventually get rewarded for bringing something up because it gets resolved, it gets better. Um, and okay. I mean the 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 main challenge in a design build firm is the details from a design getting. Into- <laughs> field yeah. and then having all the expectations met. And I can see you're, you're smiling about that because I know you probably deal with this all the time. Yeah. And you know, the one big caveat for a design build company is that you, you, you merge the two together and, but still it, it happens from time to time, but a phone call and some sketches, uh, and sometimes it sketches from the uh, project manager back to the designer and they work it out. And it's like, yes, let's go for that. That's a better solution. In yep. that case, um, very good. Yeah, all right, we're serving the mission. A third one. Uh, <laughs> third one. Um, uh, the so the benefits uh, of, of a team is that you your mission gets re- gets refined and your your values get refined. So this was about a year and a half ago, um, and all of this again came out of the the. Um, Coming through my wife's uh, cancer battle, we the team started to refine the values that we wanted to to follow, and um, so when we when I started the company, there was a certain set of core values that we followed, and then after the recession hit and we we revamped again, we developed another set, but again they were from me, and now it was time for the team to be more involved in that resolution and. Now, and, and we did that, and we've got core values, and one of those core values is uh, be frank. And that's, if you have something to say, say it. And and you can say it in a positive and um, respectful way, even if it's disagreeing with another person's position. and But we use those values in terms of managing the team, and and they actually use them with each other. And we also use them with their subcontractors and with our clients, but, right. um, that, that's a, a, again, we're giving them the ability to have an input on how things are done and we listen and then we enacted those and they're on various uh, areas of our office and on our job sites as well. So does this actually help a little bit with that idea
1: that, um, we're all waiting on Jeff to do something that sort of eliminates that where I now have the power to do something about the discrepancies or the thing I don't see being done. Or does the, does this right. idea of them being Frank or them being empowered, does that help with that?
2: Yes, it does. Now I'm still in the way, uh, <laughs> parts of the business and I'm working hard to get myself out of the way, right. but yes. Um, and that that exact question has translated into certain roles in terms of knowing when they can make decisions without having to go to the their production manager or design right. manager or eventually to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So Jeff, you mentioned Bill Belichick and you know the leader of every great team is the coach. You also mentioned a change in your disc profile. Was that something you actively worked to? develop, change? I don't know what you would call that, but how have you helped develop your role as the coach?
2: Um, Yes. So my disc has changed over time. And, um, you know, the first Victoria Pond, she actually used my disc as an example to the the onboarding crowd that, you know, it's not healthy and I'll eventually explode. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but I have taken uh, the the mantra that uh, if if I want to go there, I have to lead us there. But I'm not the vehicle to get us there. So I can't do everything. I certainly don't want to do everything anymore. Uh, that stopped a long time ago. Uh, but I can empower people uh, on their journey uh, and to be a part of it with us. So that's the fun part for me now.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting thing because... I don't experience very many people that actually change the way they interact with other people for the benefit of an organization or for the other person's benefit. Almost all of us react as we are. I mean, and and sometimes we get kind of nasty. Hey, that's just who I am. And I think one of the illustrations is that I think a good coach has to be that as opposed to, Hey, I'm just, that's just the way I am. They have to think about how do they get the best out of other people right. versus I just want my way. And so I, I think that's great, Jeff, that you've, you have, have molded at least the way you interact with people. Cause that's a lot of what the D and the I are about the, the how you interact with people. And that's obviously going to produce, uh, better results from
2: your your standpoint there.
1: Um, and it's
2: produced happier teammates. Yeah. Uh, you know, learning the disk and everything about it has been uh, a big uh, part of our success and that yeah. I, I communicate with our high D project managers uh, differently than I communicate with uh, our S's or our C's. And yeah. so it's not about communicating in a way that makes me feel comfortable. It's about communicating in a way that uh, other people want to be spoken to yeah
1: so I'll, I'll just say you know if anybody's interested in the disc you should you know check into it but my my challenge with the disc has always been we disc we we measure people's pers- uh it, it's more observable behaviors than it is personality then we just don't pay attention and so this right. is a great example of how jeff has obviously paid attention and learned how to communicate and work with different people along the way. Now, you mentioned something about a locus of control that that you thought might fit into
2: this conversation a little bit. What's that about? So uh, the locus of control is is a concept I I came across through through Darren Hardy. And it actually is something that I use in our interview uh, techniques as well, because I want to determine there's basically two categories and I want to determine I'm looking for one category. So uh, the locus of control is the degree of which people believe that they, as opposed to external forces, have control over the outcome of events in their lives. So that's a pretty big uh, picture. Um, And it's, so I'm looking for uh, people who have an internal locus of control, meaning that they're more willing to take on the responsibility of an issue um, versus someone who's going to be external. And, oh, that's somebody else's fault. And we know it, that it is rarely just one person's fault. There's there's multiple facets within everything. Right. Um, and, but I'm looking for that ownership. And that's what that locus of control is about.
1: Yeah. And I'm thinking about teams. And again, you can go football, basketball, whatever, but good really good teams the individual says i need to be better you know i can i control how i interact with the team and how well i do and it isn't they don't focus on well he didn't throw the ball right or he didn't you know block right or you know whatever whatever it is they focus on their own uh, ability to control their their space i i, I accountability is a word that popped to mind as soon as you were saying that, Jeff, so I think right. that fits into that same uh, same ball of wax there one of the big things in our production manager roundtables is people go like, you cannot hold people accountable you they have to hold themselves accountable, which is that locus of control now, let me ask you this I, people are going to ask about this, and it might be a whole nother podcast. How do you, I mean, do you have a series of questions that help you identify that? Or, or how is it you uh, come up with, like, yes, this person is the kind of person that we want on our team?
2: So I ask something that they failed at. Tell me about a failure that's happened in either your personal life or your professional life. And, and then I shut up. And I, I don't and, try to explain it too much. And I just want to kind of hear what they've done, something might've been their fault, something might not have been their fault, but I'm looking for how they are owning the situation.
1: And then, and words like, I should have done this, I should have done that, or I missed on that, or something, those are the kind of the keys to finding that out? Right,
2: or uh, if they say, this is what I learned from it. without okay. Without any prompting, you know, when they talk about what's it, what did they learn from it that they're taking forward? Now, hopefully nobody in your area is listening to this podcast
1: and can, you know, work around that when they interview with
0: you. I was, I was going to ask Jeff, I mean, is there, is there an answer to that that has, uh, you know, not mentioning any names, but just something that's impressed you or stood out. And then maybe one that's been kind of off-putting too. Uh, well, the,
2: the off-putting one, uh, we didn't move past, uh, you know we, we said thank you for your time and we didn't move ahead with him um one that um that worked out very well uh, and he's uh advancing into be a uh, project manager with us now from a, from a carpenter too um he he talked about um some of the changes in his career um and so they they weren't necessarily You know, overt failures, but I thought I was going in this direction. Something happened, and I reverted and went back to this direction. And he talked about the the kind of the life affirming values that we all have that prompted his decision making process, and that um, work didn't define him, but uh, his work was important to him as it defined his entire you know, life and um, his family life. So that was a moment when I I realized he's a keeper. He's he's got the right uh, attitude.
1: Yeah, yeah. This is so cool because this uh, just, I don't know, validates so many of the things I've been trying to get companies to think about in terms of hiring and training and things like that. So I really appreciate that. So as we're winding up, Jeff, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we don't have endless time here because I think I could keep asking questions. But maybe just a last nugget for people, maybe just something to encourage people to uh to do something that would help their company like like you've done anything like that
2: um the yeah, I would say a growth ladder for for different roles in the company okay so you know the difference between uh you know a well oiled machine is that you the the parts of that machine and that analogy you know they can wear out and they you know, then you're replacing them with new parts, but we're not a machine and we're not that tactile. People have um, a, a bigger picture of where they wanna go in their life within this career. And so we make a practice of asking uh, in all of our re- the review process, we wanna know their three personal goals for the year as well as their business goals for the year. And like, I know on my team who wants to progress to be a project manager, who wants to progress to own their own business one day? And when we're talking, I'm able to give them resources and provide a path for them to get there. So, wow. and Yeah, that's maybe training some competitors. You know, down the line, um, that's okay because I know they're going to be good at what they do. Cool. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you so
1: much for taking uh, a little bit of time here today this has been fascinating. I've, I've jotted down a bunch of notes and I wasn't joking. I think maybe we can you know, continue talking perhaps on another podcast in a few months and just see like, how's it going and what are some of these other things like the ladder, like this locus of control, like the hiring process, things like that. Sounds like you've got a lot of great stuff going on. So just thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. I,
2: I loved it and happy to talk anytime. Take care, Jeff. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you.
0: So, Tim, let's go ahead and start with your notes because I've got a bunch myself. This was great.
1: Wow. Yeah, just a fantastic, like I said towards the end there, uh, just uh, validated a lot of things that I've been uh, trying to uh, work, work on with people. I love the idea of an internal survey. I think many companies are starting to do that now to see how we're working together and not only that, but how the clients are doing. I loved this idea of zero conflict and my, my antenna went up right away to about no way you can't have zero conflict, but then he identified it as a healthy interaction that serves the mission. And I just think, you know, if companies can get that going, that healthy interaction that serves the mission, then they're going to be, way, way, way uh, further ahead. And the idea of, of good hiring for a team, and again, going back to football, and, and I mean, football is the most prominent one nowadays, but when, when people hire, they're hiring, they're trying to get the very best person for the team, not the guy or the gal with the best statistics. And, and you've seen it over and over again. People coming into a team that have the best statistics in the league. Now they're making $40 million, you know, and it flops because yeah. they don't fit with the team. And I think those are a few of the things that I popped out of this.
0: Yeah. I'm an Eagles fan. We've had plenty of flops <laughs> along those lines. But, uh, so the, uh, the healthy interaction that serves the mission. I mean, that, again, he's got so many things in place that yep. make that happen. Cause that is not something that just happens. Correct. And I, I love from this podcast that we get this different lens that people let us see different things. And I've always heard, you know, people say our, our company, it's like a family. I'm like, well, I hope not because <laughs> I would never work with my cousin, you know, nobody in particular out there, but, right, right. um, but no, this, I mean, it is this team concept and, and it's, uh, you know, I think Jeff just, he does so many things. He, he's a continuous learner and to yeah. evolve your disc profile, you know, it's something that just is a testament to him, to his company. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, just to know that they have went through this situation uh, with Monica and have come out, out thriving, you know, there's, there's just not enough good you could say about Jeff and his company. It's really fantastic.
1: Yeah, it was interesting that he started with that idea of in the family, there's a lot of tolerance because yeah. pretty much you have to. You're stuck, you know? yeah. And people say things like, you know, well, I was born into this, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But with a team, and again, it's not intolerance because that's a negative. That's definitely negative, but it's, a, it's an understanding that we're going to deal with stuff. We're going to make, we're going to get you to be better so yep. that the team is better Yep, and yep. we're not going to put up with things that aren't team effective. Yep. And I think that's a very, very hard uh, way to go for for many people. It's very hard for them to do that. So, yeah. I, again, really big kudos to Jeff. Amazing information. And I hope everybody out there in podcast land really gets something great out of this.
0: Great. Well, we want to thank Jeff Forward once again for joining us today. And we always want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Tim Fowler Show.
1: And remember, at the Tim Fowler Show, we're working really hard to eliminate
0: it is what it is from your vocabulary. This has been another episode of the Tim Fowler Show. Want to hire Tim and fast track your growth? Visit remodelersadvantage.com consulting to learn more.